Greetings and welcome to Dead for Filth. I'm your host, Michael Verratti, and this is the podcast for all things queer horror and beyond. On this week's episode, I'm excited to welcome an acclaimed writer and filmmaker whose work is redefining queer genre cinema for the modern age. His celebrated short, Islands, took audiences on a haunted, fantastic journey, and his feature film, You in the Night, brought together an ethereal and transgressive gathering of archetypes to artistic and lurid effect. His latest project, The Highly Lauded Knife Plus Heart, serves as a queer, erotic phantasmagoria that pays homage to Italian gialli of yesteryear. An official selection of Cannes, the film is currently making its way around the world, causing fervor and discussion wherever it goes. Please join me in welcoming the awesome artist responsible, filmmaker Jan Gonzalez. Hey, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I, you know, I know that you're in town for a brief while, so I really uh, appreciate that you took time to stop by. Thank you so much. Uh, so while, uh, why don't we just get started the same way I start every show with the same first question I ask every guest, and sure. it is simply this. Why horror? And you can interpret that however you want. Uh Why is horror something that connects with you? Why do you think audiences like horror? But why horror? I I think to me it's part of my uh, childhood. I I grew up watching horror films and uh, it was like a secret island for me watching horror films, like uh, forbidden films, transgressive films. So it was like uh, watching the first uh, dangerous images of your life and it puts it had such an impact on me it was like crazy so I I totally grew up like watching those crazy images and to me they were the most like uh, crazy and uh, and beautiful and poetic images you can you could imagine and uh, so to me it's like the basics Uh, I I I couldn't live with uh, without uh, horror images and I just I think I'm going to pay tribute to to all those uh, shocks I had as a teenager, as a kid and as a teenager with uh, all those images. Now, I was reading in an interview that initially you uh, weren't necessarily allowed to watch horror films, but your parents would tell you about them. Is that true? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wow. You're quite informed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. I think they were a bit uh, perverse because uh, they, they, they were hiding all the VHS. In a, in a secret closet. Uh, but at the same time, they were telling me uh, the synopsis of uh, The Exorcist, for instance, uh, or uh, The Omen. And I was like, wow, I was imagining like uh, all those uh, images uh, uh, behind, uh, behind the stories. And it was even worse than watching the films themselves. Yeah, I was going to imagine, because when you're a kid, your imagination is sort of limitless. Yeah, so you have yeah. this idea. Yeah. And by forbidding, by making something forbidden, it makes it seem bigger and scarier, probably than it actually is. When you saw the films, ultimately, did they they have less of an impact then, or yeah, the Omen, for instance, didn't have such an impact on me, but uh, the Exorcist, of course, was like way scarier, and I, I well, I really. I wish it my pants <laughs> when, I, when I when I saw it. I, I think I was like maybe uh, eleven or twelve, and uh, it's maybe a young age to to see the exorcist. So here you are at eleven or twelve. You are not really yet uh, fully allowed to watch horror movies. You're getting these stories from your parents about what they are, which I think that you're right. There's something kind of perverse about it that I love. <laughs> They're sort of kind of like dangling the carrot. Uh, but at what point in your life did you realize, I mean, obviously you were engaged by these the idea of stories and the idea of movies. Do you remember when you decided that you wanted to 
go from just a passive viewer of films to a maker of films? Um, I think I was quite young because I, I started to, to write stories uh, as a kid. I was like passionate about writing, uh, not necessarily making films, but writing. The writing process came at a very early age. And it was almost uh, already uh, genre-oriented, uh, I think. Uh, because it was telling about all these uh, fantasies, uh, all these uh, uh, surreal stories that I could have with my friends and stuff. So uh, I was really into a, a fantasy world as a, as a young kid. Now, did you come from an artistic household? Because I know that your brother went into music and you uh, are a filmmaker. Was that something that was around when you were growing up? Or did no, you... no, no, not at all. I mean, uh, my, my, my father used to be a police officer and my mother used to work in a, in a material uh, fabric, fabric shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now, now she, she works in a, in a library. Uh, so it's more uh, cultural. Uh, but no, we, 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 but I, I think the secret is that we were so much loved by our parents. There was so much love surrounding us. And uh, it gave us the freedom to, 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 to create, uh, to be artists. So I, I think the, the essence of our uh, artistic uh, uh, desire really comes from uh, that, that love, that very love. So you're writing stories, most of them genre-tinged. When did you start moving into the professional space? And uh, you started as a film critic, right? Yeah, Before you it's were... true. <laughs> I'm trying to hide this because... <laughs> 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 no, I, I, was, I was kind of a nasty film critic. Maybe uh, when, I, when I started, when I was 20 or 22, uh, I started to be a film critic and I was, I was really uh, like... I was a brat, I think, because I think I was a bit frustrated. I wanted to make my own films and uh, uh, I came as a film critic. Uh, it was like accidental. Mm-hmm. I, I, want, I didn't really want to do this, but I, I, I took pleasure out of it. But, uh, but I, was, I was hard. I was, I was tough. Uh, I think I just wanted to, to show my taste and to, uh, to affirm it in a, in a, in a strong way. But uh, sometimes it was a bit aggressive and I regret it now. And what was the transition point away from being a critic into being a filmmaker? Because obviously you always wanted to make films. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just craving for it. Uh, so, so uh, at one point I was about to tour, to turn uh, 30 almost. I was 28 and I told myself, it's now or never. You, you have to make your first short film. Uh, so I, 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 I kept my, 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 my savings. I put my savings on my, on my first, uh, short film. It was like five minutes, uh, black and white, uh, 35 millimeter short film, like one, only one, uh, shot, uh, and uh, I, I went for it, and uh, I was so excited, and uh, I couldn't I couldn't sleep the, the night before, and I couldn't <laughs> sleep the night after. I was so excited about it, and I had such a blast, and uh, I, I knew that it was the, the, the right place. I mean, I don't know if I make good films, but <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't do anything else. But then I think of the evolution. You know, the idea that your your first thing you're describing it's a, a static black and white shot. Uh-huh. And then you look at your work now and it's this this whole prism of color and it just beautiful movement. Uh, you can I, I think you make wonderful films because I can see your passion for it on every frame. And uh, it must have just like 
you you were waiting you were waiting to make those movies yeah 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 of course and i was uh i think i was a baby until my my 30s so uh i needed to wait i needed to 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 live my life you know and to 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 go through experiences to to uh to have sex to uh to to meet some friends to to read a lot to to watch some films i needed all this background to to make my own films uh uh also but, but because uh, otherwise, I, I, I would have felt a bit empty, you know? Right. I, I needed to live the life to, before making films, yeah. And I think it's interesting because you are, or you're saying you had to experience all of these things, uh-huh. you know, to m- make some friends, read some books, have some sex, <laughs> connect with the world before you could really fully in- invest it in the screen. Exactly. And in a way, it's, it's sort of like you felt like you needed to claim your identity, yeah, exactly. As a filmmaker and uh, as a human being as well, because to me it's, it's are connected, and uh, sexuality, identity are connected to my, uh, uh, to my, to my mood and to my, to my, to my uh, uh, desire as a filmmaker. And your work seems very uh, hinged upon the, the notion of identity too, and I assume that's that's conscious decision, the idea of like who we are and what makes us up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the idea of of, of cinema in general. No, uh, how how could you make a film without uh, asking questions about uh, the identity of your characters? Uh, films and characters are all about identity, whether it's uh, sexual or not. I mean, right. Well, and speaking of the sexuality, uh, w- you mentioned when you were growing up the idea that horror films felt very forbidden. And there's this idea, I think, often uh, we talk about on this show sort of this marriage of of queer identity mm-hmm. with our enthusiasm for the horror genre. And a lot of filmmakers and creators seem to believe that that draw to horror is also very linked to their sexual identity or their their queerness. What is your take on that? No, 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 I totally uh, agree. Uh, horror films are cathartic. Uh, and uh, I think watching, watching, watching horror films, watching those crazy images, those images that are speeding on the norm and that are, uh, that, that, that are uh, playing with uh, gore, Images, violent images uh, that don't give a shit about being uh, normal. Of course, they talk a lot about uh, our sexuality right. uh, and identity as well. And um, even before you, 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 I knew I, I, I was gay. Uh, I think this, this, those films told me that I, that I was right. Now. In my reading, I have discovered, and I'm, I, this is related to what we're talking about, but I've discovered that you are a big fan of Brian De Palma. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And uh, I think that I can I can see it in your work, but I also am interested in it because Brian De Palma is a filmmaker who definitely, uh, I used the word phantasmagoria at the top of the show, and I think he's someone who really li- like lives in that space when he's allowed to. Phantom of the Paradise, Carrie. Uh these movies, I feel like, all are about identity, as you said. But, well, one, just talk to me a little bit about your draw to De Palma, because I think that that is very interesting, because he is someone a lot of queer filmmakers reference, with, especially Carrie, because I think mm. Carrie's all about otherness. But. Yeah. Yeah, Carrie is about uh, rejection, and it's about being bullied, it's about uh, being different uh, in, the, in the violent world of uh, teenage years. Mm-hmm. So, of course, uh, we can, re- as gay people, we, we 
we are carry. Right. <laughs> Every gay people is carry in a in a in a way. And to me, this is such an emotional film. And this is what I love about the Palma is the emotions he carries with his with his characters. Uh, it's not only horror films; it's melodramas. Uh, and every time I see uh, most of the De Palma's films, I, I cry uh, more than I, than I'm frightened. Right. To me, it's like it's it's, it's, uh, uh, it's films where I, I, I allow myself to to, to cry, uh, like Obsession or Carrie or Phantom of the Paradise. They bring so much uh, emotions, uh, so much sensibility in the characters. I, I, I can't I can't stop crying when I watch them. Do you think, in some way, the three movies you referenced, especially Obsession, Carrie, Phantom of the Paradise, they all are really about people who in some way or another, are not allowed to live as their authentic selves. Yeah. And I never thought about it, but it's true, yeah. yeah. And so maybe that's part of the draw. Mm-hmm. Because what I really, uh, and I wanted to talk about this a little bit later, but this seems like a natural segue. One thing that I really thought was powerful about Knife Plus Heart, that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about it, is it's authentic to a queer world, but it's also a totally queer world. And you you curated a film that everything about it is queer. It, and it's so often when we see gay cinema or LGBTQIA cinema, it's, you know, even if it's told from the lens of a queer character, we still have to see their sort of interaction with the straight or yeah. cis or hetero world. You did not do that yeah. here. And I'm just interested in what, what, you know, was that your mission statement from the beginning? Um, not really. It came uh, in a very natural way uh, because I'm surrounded by, by queer people. Most of my friends are queer. Uh, my my uh, co-writer is bisexual. Uh, so to us, it was like a, a very uh, uh, organic process to, 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 to go with. But at the same time, I think... Uh, uh, without formulating it, that uh, we we we've been uh, upon the the, the 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 gaze of the straight people for so long. Uh, the, 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 this fucking uh, machism and patriarchism was so painful to to go through that. Uh, uh, of course, it was such a relief. Uh, for us to make a, a total queer film, like right. uh, 98% of the character in the film are, are queer, and to to to, to us, yeah. Of, when we 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 reali- reali- realized that, uh, it became like a statement, of course. But it was like in the middle of the process. We we didn't realize it uh, at the beginning, but. It sort of does hit you watching it. I, I remember while I was having the realization, I think it's uh, the scene where they're all at the picnic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had I, It kind of struck me all at once. Everybody who's really impacting this story is a queer person. Yeah. And if we see anybody come in to the tale, and we don't really know, I mean, the identity of like the inspectors, for example. Like, we don't know where they're at, sexually speaking. But to, to, to me, the young one uh, has a secret, and you know, also maybe, maybe he's queer as well, and this is why he's uh, helping uh, the main character. Yeah. But I, I just remember thinking how amazing that this movie, and I, I, it, you talk about catharsis. There's catharsis in that. As a, a, a filmgoer of a certain age who has been going to see queer movies, 
And it's always, as you said, where it, it, the lens is, is, is struck up against the straight world. It, there is something very powerful, rem- removing like the, the high fantasy or the horror of it all, to just live in a world that's unapologetically queer. And that's really so special, I think. Uh, and when you look at these movies that you cited, like Carrie or, or Obsession or Phantom of the Paradise, and you think about how those movies are about them not being able to live their truest selves. That's not really the issue in your movie. They're able to live authentically. Their claiming of identity comes in different ways. And yeah, I think it comes from uh, society. It comes from uh, intolerance. It comes uh, from the, the, the violence of the world we live in. Uh, so to me, the, 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 the killer is not only a metaphor for for eight. Uh, to me, it's like the first metaphor you can think about. But to me, it's really a metaphor of uh, the, the, the world we live in today. Not not only in the seventies. Today we live in a fucking violent world uh, against difference, against uh, uh, queerness. So, t- talk to me a little bit about the curation of this film because it is obviously, as you know, we're talking about people like Brian De Palma, who I, I do need to interject. Brian De Palma is a filmmaker who seems unabashedly queer in his sensibilities, despite being. Straight. Straight. <laughs> and I don't think that's really ever often remarked upon because I think to the world at large, they think about The Untouchables or Scarface and these movies that are like maybe aggressive heterosexual. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I have no idea if this is the, the part of my story. Uh, apparently straight. <laughs> I like the idea of apparently straight. That's a good idea. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's funny to see uh, such a queer sensibility at work for some of, the, of, of his films. And then some of the films where it's really macho straight. Uh, so... Uh, I love this diversity of uh, languages, of uh, gazes. Uh, but at the same time, there's so much empathy, even in, in the straight films like Scar- Scarface, for instance. There's so much empathy for the character. And to me, it's like, uh, uh, I like I, this is a generosity I, I like about him. No, it's true. And I think something that doesn't get remarked upon enough is how so very heightened Pacino's character in Scarface is that it's a parody, I think, of masculinity. The people who look at that and think, that's the kind of guy I want to be. I'm like, are you, do you understand (laughs) that's not the point of what's going on here? Maybe make it to the end of the movie and see. And at the same time, he's super sexy in the film. So there's always some uh, eroticism going on. So it's not that straight as it uh, should be, you know? (laughs) And this, I think, is a good way to go back into the track of my question about the origins of Knife Plus Heart. Uh, but also, since we're talking about Pacino, something I was curious about. <laughs> I know what, you, what, what your point is going to be. Okay. <laughs> especially the opening of Knife Plus Heart, you oh. go into this sort of gay underground and you see that opening scene in the bar. And it felt very reminiscent to me I, uh, of I know, cruising. I know, I know. Uh, was that movie something that was in the back of your, your brain? And what is your take on, on cruising? Because yet again, here's a film that lives in a very gay space by a very uh, decidedly, uh, apparently straight filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a very unsettling film. And 
I love this film so much. Uh, I think there's a mystery upon this film. This is what I love about it. Uh, you, you you never know where where where, where it goes. Uh, you never know if Pacino in the film is gay or straight or is is always struggling uh, in a very mysterious way with his uh, desire and identity. And this is what I like about the film. There's something uh, unsolved in it. Uh, and it's fucking scary and it's uh, uh, like a nightmarish premoni- precognition of uh, of AIDS uh, coming up because I think it was uh, shot in the, the late uh, 70s it's 80 I think yeah. or maybe, maybe uh, early 80s just before AIDS was like uh, uh, blooming you know yeah to me it, for me it is Friedkin's scariest movie I know that oh, yeah. the, the world would maybe disagree but I think when you're living in the world no because to me like The Exorcist for instance is more like a melodrama than a, than a, than a horror film I mean it's both of course it's scary but 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 uh, if you don't believe in uh, in uh, in uh, demons and uh, uh, in possession uh, you're not going to be scared by this film uh, cruising everybody can be scared about it because it's about reality. It's about uh, how you deal with violence and uh, how you struggle with your identity and with your desires. So it, it can talk to anybody and it can scare anybody. So looking at, at this movie that, especially for, for gay men uh, who have, have lived in the world where there is a danger even just going out trying to meet somebody, especially in the pre-internet app age, and mm-hmm. I think even maybe more post the internet app age because you don't know who's on the other end. Uh you're right. There's a horror that exists there. But I can see, like, looking at something like Cruising, and we're talking about De Palma, and we haven't even got to the Argento of it all. <laughs> but there is sort of a, a through-line foundation for where Knife Plus Heart comes from. And tell me about just the beginning of this project and, and uh, the decision. A, a gay porn giallo slasher art house it's amazing like it's a mashup of all of these things but clearly they all begin with you so just talk to me about that process i i think every uh starting process for a film is based on a character mm-hmm. and i completely fell in love with a real life character a real life porn producer a female porn producer uh, who made tons of gay porn films uh, in the late 70s, uh, maybe uh, more than a hundred, mostly crappy films shot in, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like maybe six or seven hours and uh, and then like uh, disappearing, you know, uh, really exploitation movies, bad, bad, bad ones. Uh, although I, I haven't seen many of them because most of them disappeared and were destroyed. Um, so I was fascinated by this character because she was a woman first and then she, she was surrounded by, by male. She was like uh, the mistress of them all. And I loved it. Uh, I loved this fierce, alcoholic, uh, apparently very stingy <laughs> character. Uh, and what what really struck me at the, at the time it it's uh, that she 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 had this uh, love affair with her editor like in my film right. and I, I thought it was like such a great premise for a film uh, to talk about love uh, uh, going through the images uh, like a, a love message hidden uh, in the images of a film uh, from uh, a director uh, producer to an editor. 
uh, to me it was uh, a way to talk about the passion of cinema. And one thing that I was really struck by re- doing some reading on uh, your your thought process in writing this is you said that to you first and foremost this is a love story. Mm-hmm. All of these other labels have been applied, but you you really at the core think think and believe and it and of course it is because this is your your mission statement it's a love story yeah it's a love story between two women a uh, violent love story uh, a complicated one uh, and also i think it's a love story about uh, cinema uh, to me it's like a love tribute to, to 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 cinema to my passion for 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 cinema and the, 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 those two loves in the film are really uh, uh, imbricated. Mm-hmm. Can you say that? Yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> so here's my abstract, maybe you know, rhetorical or bigger question: Is every story, in some way, a love story? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. There, there are some uh, some very cold at heart uh, directors, <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> and uh, the the films that are not fueled by by, by love. Uh, to me, they, they don't really speak to to to, to me. Uh, but I can feel love in even in in uh, abstract films, in uh, right. experimental films, uh, without characters. I can feel the love. Uh, I don't know if you if you know this guy, for instance, like Jordan, Jordan Belson, who made these comic cosmic cosmic films, uh, abstract films, uh, completely. Uh, uh, surreal and out of this world, and you you, you seem like you're uh, traveling into space, into a different uh, a parallel dimension. And uh, I can feel the love there. There's something about love. There's something of, about the power of love, although it's abstract. But in, uh, for instance, if I if I if I if I take some uh, Michael Haneke's films, I. I even if one of his films is called Love, there's no love in it to me. It's right. like so cold and so cruel and so, uh, I don't know, there's something despicable. in, in, in uh, I, I like some of his films because I think he's a great master, but he's so cold at heart. So to, it's, it's, it puts me back, you know, it's a, it's a, um, it disgusts me a little. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's it. Maybe that's the, like, uh, it's the absence of love that is all, is what drives it. That, that, that isolation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's still about love in, yeah. a, in, a, in, a, in a way. It's true. Uh, see, but I, it, it's, it's, when I see his film, it's like he's jerking off about this absence of love. So it's, <laughs> it's, ma- it's, ma- it's making the most of it. You know, he's having, f- having, pleasure having to 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 watch all those characters uh fighting against uh, the, the, against uh, each other and and to me it's like a, a bit of a perv <laughs> way to to make films so this film knife plus heart uh as as you said is is inspired by uh a real life porn producer who has an affair with her editor uh and that's built into the framework of the narrative of this. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, this l- sort of torrid love affair happening in the world of gay porn uh, while this uh, giallo-esque killer is is moving about as well. Uh, I'm curious about the decision to lean into the world of giallo because it does feel, uh, speaking as an Italian, uh, <laughs> something that is very specific to a time and place of cinema. 
which of course would be going on in the era that your movie's set. So it's sort of a nice evocative image. But why why that territory? What made you want to move there? I, I I'm not sure if we we talked a lot about uh, Gialli films uh, with uh, with my uh, co-writer who is Italian as well. <laughs> His name is Cristiano Mangione. And uh, no, um, we 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 just decided to to follow our characters and it led us to 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 this uh, strange uh, surreal and violent territory that sometimes uh is a, a reminder of uh, of giallo films but uh, it was not like a, a statement right. to, to to make a giallo film at first of course i love the the, the what, what my my characters are all about passion are all about excess and, and to me, the colors of mm-hmm. Jello films are really the expression uh, of, the, of, of that passion. So, so, so like the so, so plain red and blues and and uh, and uh, and, uh, and yellow <laughs> and green. To to me, they, they really speak to my heart because they are excessive. Uh, they really talk about the the, the, the craziness and uh, and the, the passion of the character. So of course, I want to use it, but I never really thought about making a Jello film. So. Is it interesting in in the, you know, when you come back around and the film's out and then people are kind of throwing these questions at you, this movie seems to be inspired by this. and this, But that wasn't necessarily your intent. But, it's just- I mean, it's not like uh, an intention, a deliberate intention, but it's, uh, it's in my DNA, so it's okay. I mean... Uh, right. I've seen tons of Jello and I love them. And uh, of course, there's, in, this, in the film, for instance, there's a real t- tribute to Jello uh, with this uh, uh, police office uh, sequence, uh, mm-hmm. which is paying uh, homage to uh, uh, New York Reaper uh, by, by Lucio Fulci, for instance. So, of course, there's, there's, there are uh, references to, 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 to Jello, but... but I, I'm not sure I would call the film uh, a, a giallo, even although it 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 has some some a lot of elements from uh, from right. it. Uh, well, since since you brought up, it's a mashup. It's a mashup. Also, maybe there's a part of giallo. Uh, there's a part of a horror uh, slasher. Uh, and uh, what, what what I love about making films today uh, in an era where we kind of digested all those references is that you can you can put a collage, you can make a collage out of all these uh, uh, different images, different backgrounds, different territories. This is, to me, what, what, what excites me the most. That To me, it's more exciting than make, making like a pure giallo, for right. instance. It's like a mashup of different stuff. Well, it's because I think we now live in an era where everything is sort of a, is available to us as a resource. Yeah. So we can internalize it and sort of create a patchwork that turns it into something new. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for reformulating better than I do. <laughs> no, no. I was, I'm just, I, I, from an artistic... With my fucking English. <laughs> no, I, it was more so from an, an artistic standpoint. I was re- I'm really struck by the idea because I hear so often other artists complain about the idea of... We, we lost the innocence. We, we can't yeah. make those films anymore. Right. It's impossible. It's impossible to, 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 to uh, uh, retrieve. 
no, no, to, to, to find to find to find this innocence back. Yeah. It's it's impossible. Uh, so so we have to deal with it. We're we we're past right. <laughs> from now, you know. So, uh, but what what we can deal with is uh, the, the, the emotions those films were bringing. Right. So we we can deal with those emotions, but in a very different way. Uh, we we can't make those films anymore. They're part of an era. They're part of history. It would be it would be like a, a scam to to try to make those films again. Oh, I like that that sentiment. That it it would be a scam because we are so informed by everything that we've seen and yeah. we can't escape what we've seen now and you know the, uh, over 200 years of cinema and imagery just assaulting us constantly uh no it's just interesting because we even critically whether the artist intends to or not when you read a review whether it's in film comment or you know in variety they always tend to for example i was reading uh someone compared you in the night to a very uh, like a sexualized breakfast club and I like it. <laughs> I, 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 I want. I was going to ask you if that was even. I mean, obviously, I understand why they say that, but like, no, I mean, you know, it's 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 the, 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 the game of the, the film critics. They they, yeah. they have to label your film into into something. They have to pitch it. Uh, I I hate pitches. I hate talking about my, my films like well, uh, with one or two sentences. Uh, a film is an atmosphere, and you can't describe an atmosphere. Right. Uh, so when when these people are trying to, to to sum up your film, sometimes it's fun. Like like for 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 this quote, for instance, it's it's fun, <laughs> and I'm in love with the breakfast. Club, I think it's a great film. Uh, so yeah, of course. Uh, but it can't summarize a film. It's a, a, yeah. a film is something else. It's uh, it's dealing with so many elements and uh, and it's trying to create its its own identity. Uh, but it's part of the game, you know. So it's okay. I, I can deal with it. Uh, so one thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, is we are talking about all of these these elements that put together the world, and we have touched upon uh, the idea of of it existing in this queer space, and uh, all of the work that I've seen from you exists in a queer space. Uh, as an artist and filmmaker, is that something that is very important to you to make sure that the the stories you you tell always have some queerness to them or has that just been what you've done so far no i mean uh, to to me a uh, queer is a uh, is a future uh, because it's all about uh, being open-minded being free with his identity with his sexuality uh, so it brings me hope it gives me hope it gives me a lot of uh, uh, knowledge it gives me a lot of uh, uh, strength uh, and I need that to, to make to make my films, and I, I, I'm really lucky because I'm surrounded by by queer friends who were uh, such an inspiration to me. And they, 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 some of them are in the film. Some of them uh, help me with uh, uh, curating the, 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 some some of the tracks uh, of the film. Uh, so some uh, some uh, some of them are uh, extras in the <laughs> in the film, or uh, worked in the in the, the the costume department, or in the, the set design department. So it's I I I love this energy from those people, uh, and I love the, the queer energy in general because it it makes the world better. I think. No, I love that. I think that's true, and I. Uh... 
I really think that um, I think if the world was queer, <laughs> everything would be so 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 better, <laughs> so much better. <laughs> no, and I, I I think that one of the things when we were talking about how, especially with Knife Plus Heart, when I was watching it and I had that realization, this is a, a queer world. What I liked about it is sex and sexuality were very prevalent in the world. But, you know, it's very easy. And we, we uh, even I did it for effect in the introduction to the show. The idea that the world at large would say, this is lurid, this is this. But really, everyone has sex. Everyone's interested in sex. Mm. And when you present it in a way that it's something that we all engage with in a beautiful way, I guess, you know, there's a queerness to that because that's what the mainstream says is queer. But I, I, I you're right. It would make the world more beautiful. Mm. <laughs> I'm having a, a, epiphanal moments on my own show. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, but I did want to talk a little bit about uh, the the use of, of porn in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is something I haven't really gotten a chance to talk about with other uh, artists and creators and filmmakers who have been on the show. Be- uh, or if I have, it's just been touched upon. Uh, first, I, you you set this film in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and stateside, I don't know what the situation was in France, but it was still very illegal to make uh, homosexual, uh, act, put homosexual acts on film in America. I don't know if that was going, if that was the case in France as well. Um, yeah, it was kind of illegal to, to be to be gay until uh, early uh, 80s. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the, 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 the films were shown in, in theatrically in a very legal way. So it was right. like a kind of a strange paradox. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was still dangerous to, to, to make those films, I guess. But uh, at the same time, it was such a uh, free space right. uh, for sex expressions for gay people uh, going to see those theaters and uh, uh, cruising there and uh, watching those uh, silly films uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure a lot of people watch those films for real but right. uh, but uh, I, I was born at the end of 70s so I didn't uh, I, I, I don't know the real facts about it that's right. why this film is most uh, it's mostly a fantasy about, about it. Of course, there's there are some real facts, and I kind of uh, investigated about it. Uh, I've met a lot of producers, uh, actors, and uh, directors from uh, this era, uh, survivors from AIDS, because most of the, of them they, 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 they died of AIDS. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I, I got some uh, uh, some elements of of that era, but. Uh, this is not like a documentary about that era. It's, it's more of a fantasy right. about this era. And you spoke to this, and you might have already answered this, uh, but when, especially when you were talking with how uh, people would go to these theaters and it was a cruising space. But would you consider, especially in the, this era before we were so connected, films like these are, are a crucial part of, of the DNA of our community, like from that time? Yeah, it was one of the rare spaces as, uh, where you you could meet freely as as gay people. Uh, of course, there's, there were a lot of bars and clubs already in France, uh, but but uh, connecting and cruising uh, while a film is uh, is screening uh, to me it was more of a spice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, so the second part of this this kind of inquiry that I'm particularly interested in uh, is because this is essentially a horror film set with the backdrop of of the world of, of pornography. Something that does not get discussed, I think, enough is that there seems to be a kinship throughout the years between the genre of of horror and adult cinema, not just, you know, in the abstract way, but filmmakers. Wes Craven made pornography before he started Mm -hmm. making uh, quote unquote mainstream movies. Uh, We see a lot of uh, filmmakers in a queer space. Tom DeSimone, who made Hell Night and Reform School Girls, made upwards, I think, of 55 gay pornography films in the the 70s. The guy who made I Drink Your Blood made uh, Manhole. Okay. That was that was his. It was a very famous uh, '70s gay porn. Uh, w- but all that aside, do you think there is? And I just want to hear your thoughts on this because it's so manifest in the movie a kinship between the world of porn and the world of horror. Mm, I, I I think it's just the fact of being a, a rebel. To, 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 to the norm of uh, to, uh, to to fight against it and to 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 uh, um, to try to uh, to create a world uh, that would uh, that would go against the, the, the laws you know mm-hmm. uh, that, 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 that would be uh, uh, more violent that would be more sexual uh, that that would be uh, more free at right. the same time and because this is not like the the the, 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 the mainstream world, or, or it it has to to this uh, creation of a new world. It 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 can't escape the violence and uh, and the extreme. So this this is why to me the, the horror and the porn they go together because they are extreme in their own ways, you know. Uh, but to me, they're like re- revolutionary. In a, in a way, and revolutionary needs violence. Right. Uh, so this is the link between the two of them. And that goes back to your uh, statement about sex and violence yes. being a catharsis. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. interesting. They're like yeah. opposite sides of the coin. Yeah. Or maybe the same side, depending on what you're into. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you obviously have a, a vested interest in uh, both this world uh, and the history of this world. And I know that while you're here in Los Angeles, and I don't know if you're doing this at other places while you're traveling with the movie, you have found or brought a a lost adult film from the 70s Is <laughs> yes this... yes uh I, I had this chance to to meet like as uh, a uh, historian uh of of uh, gay porn films his name is uh, Hervé Joseph Lebrun uh, so he helped me a lot uh to uh, to 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 see some uh, obscure uh gems from the, from that era and to 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 meet uh uh all the people from that era that he, who he, he knows very well. Uh, so thanks to him, I had a, a great documentary background to 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 base my film on, uh, and and he made me discover this absolutely uh, masterful, uh, beautiful porn film called uh, Equation to an Unknown, uh, Equation un inconnu in French, uh, and it's. It's such a unique film. It's uh, the most melancholic porn films I've ever seen. It's very sad and at the same time very sexy. I mean, the boys are so fucking handsome in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody is gorgeous, but it's 
It's shot by an artist. He made only one film. His name is uh, Dietrich de Felsa. It's not his real name. Uh, he used to go by different names. And he worked with uh, Joseph Lozzi, for instance. He was uh, uh, an artistic director for Joseph Lozzi on uh, one of uh, two of his uh, last films. Mm-hmm. I think John Giovanni in uh, Mr. Klein. Um, and uh, this film is all about uh, the loneliness of being gay and, and cruising and being alone at the end. Uh, it's all about that. And it's shot in a very uh, uh, precise and uh, artsy and uh, sensitive way. It's, uh, it moves me to tears. There's an orgy at the end, who is, to me, one of the best sequences of uh, French cinema ever made. I'm not talking about French porn. I'm talking about French cinema in general. In general. To me, it's like a, a real masterpiece of French cinema, uh, besides all norms and uh, genres. Uh, it's it really stands on on its own. Uh, and the orgy, to me, it it has something like uh, something very uh, scary and porn and extreme. And it's at the same time very scary because it's uh, uh, the, the soundtrack used uh, during this orgy is very strange. There's, you can hear the, the, uh, the laughters of a woman uh, and some, 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 some water going on. Uh, and this woman is sounding like a witch. And to me, it's, this film is like a precognition of uh, AIDS coming up. Oh, wow. there's, there's, there's like a uh, a nomen put uh, on 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 uh, on this very sequence, and it's so strange to 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 see that because the film was shot, uh, uh, I think, in seventy nine, uh, so so just right before AIDS was was starting, and uh, and when when you see those. Uh, those faces of those guys with uh, this louder of, of 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 a kind of a witch, it's it's super uh, super scary, super unsettling. Now, when you say the film has a sadness to it, of course, we also look at that through the lens of time. Do you think that knowing what we know now and what comes after that adds to it? Of course, of course. So I'm uh, I'm only guessing. It's uh, I'm I'm, I'm uh, interpreting this. Right. Uh, but but I see it uh, as a, as a magic spell put in a film, you know, uh, ma- ma- dark dark black magic spell, uh, and then and that, this is why to me this film is very precious. And there's a, it was it was photographed by the the, the 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 DOP of most of the porn films, gay porn films from that era, a guy called François Abou, uh, who is still alive and. Uh, was very helpful with my 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 own film, and I I paid tribute to 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 him. Uh, one of my car- characters is called France Tabou, mm-hmm. <laughs> a character played by uh, Bertrand Monti- Mondico, who plays a DOP in the film as well, and uh, and he has such a precise and uh, erotic gaze, uh, shooting all these boys. Uh, I think it's it's like a love letter to these boys in the in this film, but in a very very. Uh, 
uh, masterful way. It's uh, it's incredible the way the, the, this film is shot and photographed. And uh, I know that so uh, it's going to be shown on Sunday next uh, next Sunday. Yeah. Uh, yes, at one of the Los Angeles screenings, you're doing a double feature of that with Knife Plus Heart. But yeah. you've brought both of those to, to screen. Yeah, now, because I I made like a brand new uh, 16 mirror print, and then we we we, we scanned it and uh, we restored it, and now we have a DCP. And will you be showing that at other venues around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's going to be. Um, a showing in Chicago, I think, I'm not sure, and uh, maybe in two other uh, cities uh, in the US. But the, 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 the re-premiere of this film uh, was at uh, the French Cinematheque uh, two years ago uh, as part of uh, Carte Blanche. So just thinking about the trajectory of Knife Plus Heart, uh, you know, it, it, it premiered at Cannes, correct? Yes. Okay, so when you set out to make this movie, uh-huh. And you are delving into this sort of uh, spectral, colorful world of gay porn slasher. Uh, Of course you knew that you were pushing some envelopes that the world at large would maybe think, oh, this is transgressive material. But then to look and see this journey that it's having, going from Cannes to traveling around, and you're getting to, you know, I'm seeing so many places report on it, and uh, it's screening in so many places. Uh, I guess my first question is is just, you know, what's that like? And was this all what you thought the journey of the movie would have? And also how cool to know that because of that, you also get to go and show this lost adult film with it. I Was that ever something that in your wildest dreams you thought you would be able to like take to mainstream audiences like in Los Angeles and Chicago? Here's my movie about... A slasher set loose in the world of gay porn. And also, if you stick around with your popcorn, here's a gay porn. That seems amazing. Yeah, I want the world to turn queer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, to, 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 to me, it was like uh, maybe the, 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 the main goal of this film was to, to bring uh, a straight audience and to, to, to make it embrace this world of, of queerness. Uh, this is why I didn't want to, to, to be... Sometimes people tell me, well, why, why didn't you uh, put more hardcore sequences? Because it's, it's, it's porn, gay porn. So you should have added some, some real hardcore sequences. Right. But no, I, I, I think it would have been an, an obstacle uh, for, 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 for the, the, the straight audience to, uh, to embrace this film. And I really wanted to... Um, uh, it was like a setup for right. for 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 uh, straight audience. Uh, I, I wanted to create a world where they, they felt good and they, they, they felt comfortable. Uh, and after a while, I think they don't even realize that it's a total queer world, right? Uh, because of the music, because of the aesthetics, because of the softness of it. And uh, to to me, it was like a statement uh, and a, and a, yeah, like a, like. A, setting up all these uh, straight people and uh, making them uh, more tolerant and more uh, open-minded. But maybe maybe I'm, I'm too uh, optimistic uh, about this, but uh, it was part of the, of, the, of the goal of the film. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, and you literally, I think, just answered this, but I, I uh, am, am curious then. So with this... But making these films, I never had these, uh, the straight audience no. in mind, of course. But to, to me, it was like a dream to make the film 
uh, open enough right. to, to, to make everybody uh, love this queer world. So that and that's what I was going to ask. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, this film, as we've been discussing, is sort of a perfect storm of influences that is then filtered through you, which makes it a wholly unique experience. And there are people out there, these straight audiences, who maybe you didn't intend as the initial audience, but they're going to see it and mm. they're seeing new things. And there are people who are interacting with a world of unabashed queerness and, and, and spookiness and colors and all of these things that maybe they normally don't see when they go to the, the theater. I know this is, is not an easy question for any artist, nor does any artist want to encapsulate anything into one idea. But if you had the hope that an audience would, like, what's the one takeaway that you really want people to get from this film? It's uh, love, uh, like uh, total love uh, uh, without frontiers and uh, we, 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 we without... Uh, um, fierce, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, embrace the, 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 the love you 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 have, and uh, embrace the people who surround you, and uh, just just makes the world better. <laughs> and as you're asking these questions and forcing the audience to think about these things and ask questions of themselves, uh, what when you look ahead to you as an artist and the kind of cinema that you want to engage with in the future, what questions do you want the future of cinema to ask and, and what challenges do you want to see? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, I, I, I think I want to... I, I, it's, it, I think it's the same process. I, I'd like, I'd like to, to, to free myself from my own uh, fears, from my own uh, uh, limits. I, I just want to, 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 to feel closer to my unconscious and to, to go uh, through my dreams even deeper. Uh, through, through my dreams, through my fantasies, I want just to, to explore it in a, in a more, in a fiercer way. Uh, I want to be braver in the future. And I, I hope the, 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 most of the films I, I will watch will, will, will be because I think this is why I, I'm obsessed by the films of uh, of the seventies or or the twenties as well. To me, there's maybe the two uh, decades of cinema that are the most experimental and and brave and fierce and beautiful. Uh, they were so free, mm -hmm. and I I want to 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 embrace this freedom again. And with that in mind, I always like to ask guests when they're on, and this I think uh, it makes sense now you know because you're talking about the the questions that you want the films you see to raise in you and the the what it, you want it to push you to do uh what have you seen lately that you love or that's inspiring you and it, it could be new it could be old but what mm -hmm. have you been watching uh that has really pushed your buttons um lately <laughs> okay so, so the theme I, uh, that uh, that bumps into into my mind right now is a poly story by Jackie Chan oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> not where i thought you were going to go but no, i know <laughs> but I, 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 we 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 watched it like uh, three three weeks ago with my my friends uh, we, we, we have this, uh, movie, uh, evenings, uh, where we were watching films like, uh, with a, with a projector and mm -hmm. we were having a lot of fun. And this film was so, 
so fun, so so free spirited, so uh, so 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 silly and uh, and poetic at the same time, and uh, uh, so full of energy. And I, I I was so much into it. I think we the action films uh, of today they, they really lost this. Uh, the, 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 this uh, taste of risk that Jackie Chan was uh, uh, was was uh, was having, you know, was was uh, was really putting everything he had to to this film, and you see, you can you can witness the commitment right. uh, in this film because he's doing uh, some incredible stunts uh, in this film, and it's it's lively, you know, it's full of life, and this is what I, I love about the cinema, feeling the life uh, of the of the people who made it. Uh, I think that that's, you know, you couldn't have tied that up with a better bow. I, I always like to think about, especially the film, uh, action films of the 80s, there is, and it's a discussion that I, I think scholars greater than I should have. You're right in that we've lost something uh, from that era. I think of those movies as sort of walking hand in hand with, with the horror movies of the 80s or the 70s because there was a heightened sensibility. Everything was a little... For lack of a better term, they there was a queerness to them. You watch something like Cobra with Sylvester Stallone. It's just so almost drag queeny. <laughs> Sorry, Sly. Uh, I haven't seen it. Uh, no, no, I want to watch it. Maybe for 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 our next uh, evening with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yes, yeah, so the movie is out in the world. Um, what's next for you? What are were you? Uh, just traveling around, but I'm sure you're up to something. Yeah, yeah, I'm just starting to to write a new a new project. Uh, it's going to be a very small scale project, but uh, because I'm fed up of, uh, for the moment, of uh, spending too much time uh, looking for funds, and I, I want to 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 make like a very small budget film. I want to write it fast and to shoot it fast. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I'm gonna uh, be uh, uh, able to 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 do it, but. I, this is really my goal, uh, and it's gonna be uh, shot in sixteen millimeter black and white. In the, I, I think it's gonna be very different from what I've done before. It's not gonna be a genre-oriented uh, film, but it's there's gonna be uh, like some surreal aspect to it and some mystery, and uh, I hope some a uh, lot of love <laughs> as well. So, wait, sixteen millimeter black and white. Uh -huh. Was that also not how you shot your first film as well? My first short film? Yeah. It was 35. Ah, but you're taking it back to the black and white. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love. Uh, With maybe some hints of color. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so where can uh, people keep up with you in the films, like out in the world? Is there like a web page or social media or something they should be looking out for? Uh, yeah, I guess there is. I'm out of uh, any social media. Uh, you're pro that probably makes you smarter than all of us. Right? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. but. <laughs> I spend too much time on the internet anyway, so uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's a Facebook page mm -hmm. uh, made by uh, Altered Innocence, my my US distributor. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm sure there is. Yeah. And, oh yeah, and Altered Innocence I know is on Twitter at A L T Innocence, so you can follow them. I, there you yeah, go. there's such. I mean, Frank Jaffe was 
the, the main guy of Atlas Innocence is such a fabulous guy. He's, he's, he's incredible and he, he's done an incredible job with his film. He made a brand new poster, with, which is to me incredible. Oh, and that uh, poster is gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. And he made a, a brand new trailer as well. And, and well, it's uh, so good. Oh, yeah. I saw you had a trailer released to Pornhub. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, that, it's almost like a parody of the film. I, uh, I love that, though. But it's sort of in the spirit, as you mentioned, yeah. of those uh, kind of silly 16 millimeter gay porn films. E- exactly. Exactly. Uh, Jan, thank you so much for coming to the show today. Thank you. It was great. This uh, really, you know, was such a great discussion. Not only did we get to talk about your marvelous movie, which listeners, if you are out there in the world, which I know you are because you're listening, you need to go and check out this film. It is uh, travel to different theaters around the country, around the world, and uh, hopefully you can see it with Jan in attendance, as I know he's, he's traveling around. Uh, also, please check out his, his uh, movies that are available out in the world of streaming and physical media, You in the Night, uh, Islands, I know, is available to watch on streaming as well. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. For everything you do for queer horror and just queer cinema. Mm. Uh, my name is Michael Verratti. This has been Dead for Filth. Yours always in glam and gore. Good night and good luck. Dead for Filth is a Reverie original podcast, executive produced by Aaliyah J. Daniels, LaShawn McGee, Chris Rodriguez, and Damian Pelliccione. The show is produced by Drew Phillips and sound engineered and edited by Josh Perkins. Download the Reverie app and use the code FILTH for 25% off your first three months.